Welcome to Good Words with Geeks and Nerds. My name is Kenny, and each week my co-host Stu and I, along with various guests, will discuss all those strange, specific things that make us nerds. For our first episode, Stu and I have an informal chat about the upcoming projects in the Marvel and DC Cinematic Universes, as well as the goings-on in All Elite Wrestling. As always, make sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform and leave us a five-star review. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy some good words with geeks and nerds. Strange, specific stuff. That's what makes a nerd a nerd. If you like strange, specific stuff, that's a nerd, okay? Welcome to Good Words with Geeks and Nerds. Good Words with Geeks and Nerds. I like that. I think that's a great name. Uh, I am Kenny. Uh, I am the producer of all things on Freshcast Media, including this podcast. And I am Stu, and I am a, a geek and a nerd of of some proportion, and uh, love to talk about that stuff. So I would say it's a, of epic proportion. Well, uh, I am an amateur nerd. Well, I like nerd things. I grew up a nerd. But there, are, but it's it, this is a great dynamic because w- what I think will work is uh, what I've noticed in a lot of our conversation is I follow it roughly, but w- I mean you're way more immersed in a lot of the things than I am, which leads me to ask questions. So oh, I'll fantastic! So I think this will work out great. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so the so that's that's it. You Stu's the Stu's the the expert nerd. I'm the amateur nerd, and we're going to talk about geeky things. Uh, whether that be comic book movies, wrestling, uh, film in general, I'm a film nerd, yeah, so there, there'll be a lot of things that I'll oh yeah. I'll want to bring up, um, and it'll just be a fun conversation, mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll uh, we'll expand the uh, the people who uh, join us on the mics, and yeah. but we'll go we'll go with this for now. So yeah. welcome to episode one, episode one, that. exactly, episode one. Exactly. So w- go with go with some of your thoughts. Go with some of your 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 things you want to talk about. All right, I'm going to kick it off just because I literally just finished WandaVision. Oh, okay. And uh, I don't. I'm not going to spoil. Good anything, because I, I know you're, you're only a couple episodes <laughs> in, and I don't want to. Yeah. I was going to say I don't want to get crazy with it. I only but, know uh, uh, one or two spoilers. Um, but here's what I'm going to. Here's what I'll say. Um, based on my research, and I think we talked about this, or I've texted you about it. Yeah. Um, my sense is, and you can, you can help me with this uh, as uh, it's already been laid out by Marvel yeah. that WandaVision is a lead in to Dr. Strange two. Yeah. And uh, what is it? Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness yeah. to be directed by Sam, Sam Raimi, which is, it's going to be awesome. Just, I, I hope I, I'm, I'm hoping for a return to form from Sam. Oh, absolutely. Know? And, yeah. and they've, that, and it was funny because they didn't even, when they announced it, they had announced that it would be more of a horror film yeah. than it would be any, that any other, it would be, it would be more of a horror film than any of the other Marvel movies are now, Yeah, which a got me excited because there's a lot you could do with the, with the multiverse that is horrific. Absolutely. Right. Um, I also, it, I also was excited because it's, yeah, let's pick a genre that we haven't beat to death with the MCU. Like yeah. we've had some cool spy movies. We've had, you know, cool adventure movies, but you know, bring us into a different like depth. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and then you add that layer of, uh, Sam Raimi directing it and yeah. it's, oof, okay, oh, yeah. let's do this. Right. Yeah. Um, so that'll be the lead in. So one vision is lead into that. And that is a lead in to Spider-Man three, which has just been had a name. Uh, can't won't can't come home or some yeah uh, it's got home in it yeah it's got of home course. in it that seems to be the thing um which show and and what I've read so far 
is that um, it will show Benedict Cumberbatch in the Doctor Strange role taking over the mentor role of Peter Parker. Uh, from Tony. From Tony, right. Um, so that being said, my sense is that they are going to, and 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 what I know about Spider-Man 3 is that both um, Jamie Foxx has been signed to reprise his role from the Andrew Garfield the, franchise. Yes, the Amazing Spider-Man right, franchise. The, yeah, the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. And uh, Alfred Molina has been has signed on to reprise his role as Doc, Dr. Octopus. From, from Spider-Man. From too. the Spider-Man, the, the Sam Raimi uh, franchise. Yeah. So what that signals to me, what they're doing with WandaVision so far, and granted I'm only two episodes in, but uh, I know one small spoiler on top of that. But what uh, what what it strikes me is they're doing, which is so smart, is that they are going to tie up any licensing loose ends. Absolutely, let's with Doctor Strange and Spider Man and the multiverse. The that's that's my sense, as evidenced by the by what I don't know why, but I do know that. Uh, again, the only spoiler I know about WandaVision is that the the guy from the the X Men prequels, if you call them that, yeah, the uh, uh, the Matthew, first class, Matthew 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 Vaughn, Vaughn the Matthew Vaughn uh, set of films, um, the guy who plays Quicksilver, yeah, in uh, those films, uh, Evan Peters, Evan Peters, Evan Peters, is yeah. that the actor's name? Yeah, okay, Evan Peters shows up in one of the episodes of WandaVision, and she recognizes him as Pietro. It's, it, yeah. yeah. Kind of, kind of. Right. So, I, how, where, I, am, am I am I on the right I, track? I think they are going on that. The way that they pull it is a little different. Okay. And they, he does pop up. It is Evan Peters playing, uh, like, Quicksilver. That character. That character. Okay. But it's not. Not necessarily the X-Men universe's Quicksilver. They don't, like, outright say it. Interesting. So there's still some room to play with what they're going to do. They're leaving themselves a lot of leeway, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably smart. Sure, Um, yeah. But uh, I personally think it's hilarious because there's a tag, and I don't, I, I'm almost 100% it's intentional, but there's a little joke tag where somebody looks at uh, Evan Peters' Quicksilver and says kick-ass to him. Well, okay, Aaron, yeah, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Taylor was kick-ass. In the, in, that is right. And he was the original Oh, my God. Petro I forgot that he was. The, in Aaron, Ultron. Yeah, Aaron Taylor, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah. Was kicking. Oh my god! And he was Pietro. Has it, it has been that long too. It's been a decade since that uh, film came out, huh? Uh, yeah, because I, which was also a Matthew Vaughn film. Yeah, Kickass one and two were was, Matthew Vaughn yeah, films. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's great. Yeah. There's a there's a nice little shout out there. It's just kind of a, like a, a, a almost positive. It's an intentional. Oh, of jab course that is. I think know. every one of those things is intentional. It's it's is it it is almost on its face as intentional as the tombstone in uh, as Nick Fury's tombstone in oh. uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. That was right with the Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. Yeah. Oh, uh, that was that was Mace Windu's purple lightsaber. Absolutely. That was Sam Jackson saying, 
hey, I need this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So one, so we're on the right, I think we're on the right track in terms of my theories. I think so. I think that uh, it not explicitly. Okay. Let me, let me back up. I don't think that they're explicitly for this, but this is a very, very awesomely convenient way to do this. Oh, uh, I mean, they're, I'm personally convinced that through timing and events and situations, uh, Disney's purchase of Fox was entirely mounted by Kevin Feige to make this happen. And that dude, that between that dude and John Favreau, a hundred percent are the reason that you have the universe oh. you have. So yeah, there, there are, there are some, there are some orchestrating motherfuckers. Just they're, they're chess players. Absolutely. So they know what they're doing. Um, so yeah. And, and then, and then on top of that, I think there is a poor, a part of it where at the end of the day, I mean, end game, Endgame, uh, okay, so this is a weird, this is a depressing but interesting COVID statistic is that um, in 2020, in 2020, uh, the total domestic box office gross for all films in the United States in the theaters didn't, because because of COVID. Because theaters. Yeah, because <laughs> theaters didn't even break Endgame's box office. They're their first week box office or their their, their entire the entire run. So I think what Endgame made two point seven billion. Yeah, something in, in, globally. Yeah, number and, one. Yeah, all it, is time. The, it is the all time. Uh, there wasn't that much in in the movie theaters at all combined. All the movie releases of twenty twenty. Now, granted, that's a COVID statistic, but I, I use that as a point to say I think at the end of the day, Kevin uh, Feige Feige. I think at the end of the day, Kevin Feige and Marvel and Disney backing them doesn't really give a damn who owns or who is currently the rights holders of their properties. Um, Because at the end of the day, they know that once Sony, if Sony sells Sony pictures, the rights default back to them. Yeah. Right. So they're, they're not theirs and they don't, they're not transferable. And so I feel like at the end of the day, they know that there is enough cash. They make one film, and there's probably enough cash to undo any litigation. Oh, uh, well, and caused by breach of contract. They could buy. I guess what I'm saying is they can buy themselves out of those li- those those licensing agreements. Kind of, but they also, you know, have smartly entered symbiotic relationships with the the owning studios that remain. You know, like Sony with Spider Man and uh, Universal with the Hulk. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're freely allowed to make like throw Hulk in movies as long as they don't make a Hulk solo movie. Interesting. See, I did not know that. Yeah. A Hulk right. solo so movie. Sony, has Sony to can do that. Universal. Un- oh yeah. Universal. Okay. Universal can do a Hulk solo movie, but Marvel can only use him. I think for like 50% of a movie as a, as a lead. Interesting. There's some like statistical, like which probably, set. which really uh, which explains why in the MCU there's it, it makes a lot of sense that he shows up and Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. It makes sense that he is one of seven people sharing screen time in the original Avengers. Film. Absolutely. So, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That's just like, Oh, Hey, we're allowed to use you, but we're allowed to use you kind of as the Hulk should be peppered in <laughs> because you know, I, right. I, 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 I ran a comic shop for three years. So I was like, I read Hulk books. 
Hulk books typically don't sell well because he's just a great character, but like on his own, kind of gets old, you know. Yeah, they'd be like, "Listen, you, you can you can use him as much as you want. You just can't make a solo picture." And they're like, "Okay, who would want to anyway?" Yeah, we we've tried <laughs> twice. We've tried <laughs> twice. Just it just doesn't work. No. Oh, that's good. All right, so hit me with your hit me with your Wandavision. Let's go with this. Uh, Wandavision. Uh, so you're finished. It. You finished. I, it. I finished. All right. It. All right. So. I thought cinematically it was genius. Mm. The idea of doing what they were doing to tell the narrative that they're getting through, which is really a story about her. Yeah. And, well, and, yeah. Uh, and how, how she deals with things mm-hmm. and in a way very much mirrors as as most have speculated, a lot of things to do with House of M, but not. So it's with with what House of M, House of M. Yeah, House of M was a storyline uh, in the comics that uh, they did. Uh, Avengers disassembled, basically, like all the Avengers got like taken down in battle or defeated or killed at some point, and it was just kind of like this. Oh no, we're all dying. What's happening? Wanda kind of goes crazy and uh, just cast a, sh- a spell across the entire world and augments reality. And it basically is like the rise of the House of Magneto. And Ma- and mutants just are the top superior form of of humanoid on the planet Earth. Okay, I see. Okay, and so that does that does make the the Quicksilver. Uh, uh, appearance. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. So okay. it kind of plays into a little bit of this. You know, she's she's so powerful. She can just abs to an absolute level rewrite reality. But um, but she sh- her power comes from the Mind Stone in the films in the MCU correct as 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 to a point of reveal yes oh okay so there's something there there there's always more behind there's always something there's always more behind you have to continue to like grow your character and realistically the the, the way they had to bring those characters in because of the rights issues because of Wanda and Pietro being members of the Avengers, they were allowed to use Wanda and Pietro, but they couldn't use Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver because those were members of the X-Men. Right. Yes. 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 And, That's why I, I, when I say Quicksilver, I don't, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not referring right, to dude, the dude from in Age of Pietro. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and Wanda again. You've never they never refer to her as this. never ever yeah. called her Scarlet Witch. Which, uh, but also is why there's the but there's also again with the Scarlet Witch or with the X Men tie in. There's the the Halloween costume that I've seen the pictures of, which are reminiscent of the Scarlet Witch from the X Men. Uh, they that that episode does a whole justice to the gitch of Silver Age costumes. Awesome. Okay. So, so you get her, you get Vision, you get Quicksilver, oh, with like the green and the, the and the yellow, the and yellow and like the tights and the just ridiculous nature of it all, and like a more of a red face than a yeah, maroon one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like 
it's kind of like to tie into pro wrestling. It's kind of like watching, you know, Hulk Hogan go from NWO Hulk Hogan back to his red and yellow and yeah, come out okay, to yeah. like, you know, that old vibe and that, oh, like, m- like heartstring moment. But then you're like satisfied when they go back to their, you know, MCU cleaned up look. Yeah, sure. I know. Like they give you that, they give you that taste of uh, the old school and they're like, but this is, but yeah. They're like, but really like, do you think that hat on Wanda would actually work functionally in in 2020 as a costume piece? Yeah. And when you even look at, you even look at the the, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine uh, as Logan and you go, okay, this is about you watch and you go, okay, that's about as crazy as you could get. I was, I was deep into like, comic fandom at the time and i was very 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 uh just annoyed at hugh jackman as as wolverine really at at, at original casting okay would you has he has he come to grow on he, you absolutely yeah. he, he developed his passion and understanding of the character that overlays my issues with it right i mean because that first film is very eh, bub yeah, well, I mean, that is to a degree kind of Wolverine. Right. But it's also the costumes were terrible. Like a lot of the concepts behind things were terrible. But it foundationally comes to, you know, Wolverine's five foot tall mm. and Hugh Jackman's six four. Yeah. Okay. It's like a vast discrepancy. And there's a reason that Wolverine walks around like he's got a chip on his shoulder. Because at like five foot and the fact that you can kill everybody in the room. Mm hmm kind of makes you a little like frustrated when you get a lot of disrespect yeah sure okay and so it 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 shows and it's it's one of the interesting things like in in trying to explain comic logic to people like mm-hmm. why why that character has that you know sense about them it's well partially due to his stature you know and then how do you not tell the difference between like clark Kent and superman well that's the the actors have never played it, but every writer who's written Superman tells it as he's a Kansas City farm boy. Mm-hmm. So when he's Superman, his shoulders are slumped and hung. The way he statures himself, mm-hmm. he lowers his voice into a different registry. He looks like a big old hulking farm boy. Yeah, I he's not very smart. He doesn't play off like he's anything special. He's just that guy in the room, right? But when that chiseled hit chin hits and that chest goes out and that, that S curl comes down, people are just so enamored by this alien god that can fly around. They're like, Clark, can you not? You know, oh, where'd he go? Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I, I guess you could say that in the Richard Donner films, um, while there, there wasn't sort that, that those first couple things that you describe as how, um, uh, Oh, Christopher Reeves uh, portrays Clark, but there is like he's not he's not an inarticulate. Oh no, no! But he is timid, mild mannered, mild mannered, very um, stumbly, stumbly, clumsy. um, uh, And then when he is portraying the Man of Steel, he's got some swagger. He's it's swag, yeah, absolute swagger. He's standing up tall. and he speaks with confidence. So it's not just, oh, Lance Hunt wears glasses. Yeah. Captain, Ama- Captain Amazing 
doesn't do really does yeah. yeah it's that's it's it's not like my, that it's one of my favorite movies it is, of all time yeah same here uh, but it's it's not just that. no no it's not it's and 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 i do appreciate that when people can see that but i know mm. okay so uh back to one vision all right so what were we talking about we we're talking about uh the 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 rights in her name and the costumes and right the okay yeah, scarlet witch and but but even the whole concept you know you're you're two episodes in so you're still mm-hmm. in that like dick van dyke you know i yeah. love lucy kind of like real hard 50s vibe yeah and 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 i'll tell you what i did appreciate uh watching that um i love okay and we, I think we talked about this, but one of the things that was, it was interesting and I had the exact same conversation with another buddy is, um, I love, I love old TV. I love it. I grew up with Nick at night. I grew like up all that. All, I'm sure you all of the old shows. Yeah. So like I, apart from the stuff that you can stream now, like one of the, my favorite pastimes is just to turn on something I can ignore is I'll turn on the TV and change, turn it over to me TV yeah. And it's just, you know, Hogan's heroes and Flintstones and all that car 54. Where are you? Whatever. And I yeah. can just, whatever Perry Mason. Um, so what I loved, <laughs> I love that, that first, um, the first Marvel, um, intro, uh, when it's all the, su- like you're listening to it, then all of a sudden without note, without paying any attention, you've realized that it's gone from widescreen to pan and scan to that four, three. Oh yeah. And uh, and then the audio quality got really shitty. They dropped into the, the mono, mono, into the mono, yeah, into the mono uh, track on the uh, on the even like right then. Oh yeah, which was perfect because because where else are you going to? I think that was a great idea to do that. It, it, for the same reason, um, I think that you get creative that way. Like in um, Spider Man Homecoming, um, it, where instead of the uh, instead of the the normal music, it was the Spider-Man TV show oh, yeah. theme. Oh, yeah. That kind of stuff is very clever. Yeah. And so if you're gonna if this is gonna be your your thing, and I would even argue that without even them saying that is you'll notice I've noticed this um, a lot with content coming out now. Is a lot of content is geared for um, the millennial generation. Yeah. because that's the consumers right now. I yeah. mean, yeah, the kids are consuming it, you know, the generations that were that are 20 and 30 now, but a lot of the and you see it you see it in everything. In com- freaking when when a, like when when a, an insurance commercial is using tag team uh, to sell insurance and you're like, but I okay. Still love that. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I'm not even arguing. I'm not I'm not arguing that it's bad. I'm just saying that you can tell where who, where the target who, is? Yeah, who who the who the the, the target audience is, is and where it's going. If you look at um, Apple TV, yeah. uh, Apple TV Plus, and their streaming service, look at all. Look at who they're. Look at like um, you have the people. The, the talent they've got is Steve Carell. It's Reese Witherspoon. It's Jennifer Aniston. It's uh, they're M Night Shyamalan. Like the people they're giving uh, the, the the money the money <laughs> to to create these things are people who created these things when we were late teens and early adulthood. Yeah. So you're starting to see that. Um, I think that even, uh, I think that, uh, <laughs> I think that Kevin Feige is aware of who the, the core consumers of this are. Is anyone from, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to say 28 to 
45, 50, yeah, right? Somewhere roughly. in there. Um, and, and then on purpose, it's why he throws in things where, where Peter Parker makes you feel old. Yeah. By making a, a reference to this old, this really old movie. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Right. And yeah. so he's very aware of that. So I think that they, they do those things because their, their core demographic is, um, familiar with these things. Like a 20 year old is going to be like, I don't get this. Yeah. Why, why are they doing this? Why is the box like this? And it's like, well, cause that's the size. That's the size my TV was Absolutely. when I was watching these things. There, there, there was no concept of aspect ratio. It was just, here is your presentation. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so continue, uh, continue there. Um, oh, I absolutely agree. That, uh, that's, well, no, I don't, a geared, a geared market. And mm-hmm. it's, it's funny when you watch throughout history, you know, if you think about those old shows, you know, that too was a geared market. The way that they build the ads. Mm hmm. In WandaVision, I think is absolutely genius. Yeah, like when they segue into like, oh, uh, we'll check out this watch company, (laughs) you know, and and the the segue in that era of presentation, Mm -hmm. but then that evolves as the show evolves. I have no doubt. Yeah, and that that tiny spoilers that that's that pattern becomes time sensitive so that they take a leap and then now the the show being broadcast as a 70s sitcom mm-hmm. and then an 80s sitcom and then a 90s sitcom oh i would love and, and i'm gonna have to watch all the way through and, this to see and, and then this. and then you sit down in an episode that feels like you're watching a, a, a backdoor pilot for modern family okay all right and you're like all right i see where we're going all like right. and so it's it's a, a really smart slide that gives so so my partner's she's not huge marvel universe doesn't not like watched hardly any of the movies Mm -hmm. and i've been the one that sat and watched them all in theaters when they come out and uh but she sat and watched that entire show with me last night this this afternoon did you just binge did you just binge just binge through it just that i was like she's like and they're all are or they half hour episodes it ranges because Disney Plus, and I actually appreciate that yeah. because it's it's tell the story that's necessary instead of fill forty two minutes or mm-hmm. fill an hour. Right, like if if the story makes sense at thirty eight minutes, make it thirty eight minutes. Yeah, like I think that's and I think that that's the that's the nature of streaming now because it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're no, it's no longer um, what if it's a um, if it's a half hour, it's 22 minutes to allow for commercial breaks. Yeah. Right. And you have your, you have three acts on in an hour, it's five acts and you know, you, you know, your commercial breaks. Um, yeah. So you don't have to, you don't have to worry about that. No. So you can make a 38 minute. You can make a 30 whatever. minute chapter. Absolutely. And you can make a 50, there's a show right now, apparently on Netflix. It's um, told in 10 or 15 minutes episodes. Huh. Remember it's called, it's called, um, someone's telling me about it. Bonded. Apparently it's really oh, funny. Oh, I, I watch it. I haven't, I haven't watched, I haven't watched yeah. it, but uh, they were telling me that all the episodes are like 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. If you can tell uh, a story in 15 minutes, you can tell a story in 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, and they do, there's, you yeah. know, a regular show was amazing storytelling in 15 minutes, mm-hmm. 10 most of the time with commercial breaks, you know, yeah. 10 minute stories. And then you can sandwich that together into some nice chapters and overlaid, you know, Yeah. but the new streaming 
pattern with uh you know things going with disney and netflix and everything being able to just go hey we got a 42 minute story this week hey we got this hey i think it it quells expectation Mm -hmm. in a way that you're still satisfied and then you stop becoming expectant of 42 minutes or an hour to satisfy that that same level of interest. You're right. still going to get drawn in and be like, oh, I need the next episode. Oh, tell me more of this story. Mm-hmm. And if they do it correctly, then they're going to keep you engaged in a way that, you know, probably a lot of past shows lost, calling it out. Um, <laughs> you probably lost people just by filling an hour or I had to fill 42 minutes this week and mm-hmm. we had to fill 22 episodes this season, you know, yeah, 22 episodes at 44, yeah, 40, 44 minutes a piece. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's a lot. That's all. That's a lot to, to, to put a team of writers to keep people engaged. That, that's a know? lot that that's a lot for a continuous story arc yeah. type series. I mean, this is, these aren't procedurals. No, you know, it's not like NCIS or law and order where you can, roughly connect something that happens in the first episode to something that happens in the seventh episode by virtue of the constant characters. Yeah. But you're not telling a a whole arc of a story. No, it's, those are character pieces and, and they're about the procedures and the characters. Like that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Um, was WandaVision one of the shows was WandaVision a, a, uh, weekly release. It was. Okay. I, I waited. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It makes sense. Um, you didn't do this. Did you do the same? I can't remember. Did you do the same with the Mandalorian? No. Yeah. Okay. No. So that's, I, that's, that's the interesting part. I, this is, I think my, in my head, um, WandaVision is one I could wait to finish. It was one I could wait to finish. It was the one I wanted to wait to start mm-hmm. because I wanted to give it more time mm-hmm. to like, if I didn't binge it all at once, but at least I have like four or five episodes to like let that ball start rolling because it was such an unknown. Like I, I get it. Yes. It's WandaVision. Yes. It's this idea of, uh, you know, a, a TV show within a TV show and a, a thing and, and a mystery. And, but that takes a little time they're not going to blow that out in the first episode. And, have me so engaged that I'm like, all right, I'm coming back next week. Right. But Mandalorian, well, especially last season, you know, mm-hmm. we, we already had a season in the book, you know, you bring out the next episode and I'm just, I'm thirsty for it. Yeah, know? absolutely. I think, I think it was very smart. Uh, I think it was very smart on Disney's um, part to make Mandalorian a weekly release um, because, because uh, you, you well, for a variety of reasons, hunger, yeah. fan hunger uh-huh. um which was definitely which was definitely there for mandalorian um but also to prevent the binge and forget yeah you know i'm, I'm gonna binge these 10 episodes and i'm done now i've got a year yeah right so it allowed it gave them 10 weeks instead of one day yeah from you know of of talk uh con- consumption uh you know speculation yeah. All of those things, and 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 to be to be brutally honest, the the speculate some of the some of the the theories were some of the best uh, part of the part time. of the yeah exactly yeah. okay I watched it Friday night or I watched it Saturday with you know whenever I had time Saturday and then I spent the week 
re watching somebody do a YouTube video, all these YouTube oh, yeah. videos or, or screen rant doing their, you know, this is fan, what we, fan theory. About exactly. This, fan theory about that. I like that. Now, that being said, again, and maybe it's just sort of the nature of what they're using WandaVision for. It, it is clearly a limited series. I think that may be. I mean, there's not going to be 10 seasons. Of it, I know, no, saying. no, two, three no, seasons. two, three seasons. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because uh, what? Doctor Strange isn't coming out until end oh. of this year or next year? Next year, Spider-Man's this year. Is it Spider-Man before? No. Oh, okay. I had that backwards. Yeah, no, Spider-Man's first. Oh, no, no, no. They're coming out in the same year. Uh, I believe Spider-Man's coming out in the summer and Doctor Strange's coming out in the fall. Uh, was the it? last one, Spider-Man, was December Maybe I have it this year. Hold on. Yeah, let's look that up. Uh, we could confirm a title too. Mm, that's right. Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, March twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. Okay, so it's next March, and then next Spider Man, I believe, is a uh, No Way Home. No Way Home. No Way Home. December twenty twenty one. Okay, yeah. so it'll be this this year, and then fo- followed shortly by. Doctor Strange. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange. We got some some interesting cast that even that, even that the even, Christian Bale even well no that was Guardians of the Galaxy three Guardians 3. or was that Thor four Thor four Thor four is Christian Christian Bale is a uh, bad guy yeah the bad guy bad guy um. Um, I'm go back to this casting here, which I'm excited about, only because Taika Waititi. Oh yeah, of course. Like I to to see someone like Taika get a hold of Christian and let him just like have fucking fun for once. Pardon my language. No, but that's like funny. I feel like I, I feel like that dude puts himself through it so much that like give him a director that's gonna let him like actually just ham out and have a good time. I was saying that um because I had I had just recently watched um Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. Right? And it is a relatively fun film. And yeah. when I say fun I don't mean action packed. I just mean light. Yeah, it's a very light um light drama. Yeah. Right? Um it, it's, it's not it's Days a very, of Thunder, but it's right. You it's know. a very cool story. It's it's historical, but yeah. it's 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 light, right? Um, but but I felt when I was watching it, it finally dawned on me that that dude. I feel like Christian Bale is not a real human at this point. Like I think he like he has got what I would describe as a permanent thousand yard stare. In that when 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 he's doing when. It's almost like when he looks at people, he's not really looking through. He's not looking at them. He's looking through them, right? Or yeah. when he's doing whatever, when he's delivering lines, he's out here. He's he's, he's so far in his own ether that he just, like, right. nothing else matters. Exactly. Like, I, I look at him and I go, that is the face of a guy who doesn't know what he, normal human interactions are. It, it, or almost, it knows almost, them way too well. That he's a different. I mean, it's 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 super interesting because if you look at two roles that he took very close together, and then in actually four roles and the mental mind games that you have to jump through to play mm-hmm. these characters. So going from like Patrick Bateman mm-hmm. 
and then going through if you ever saw equilibrium mm-hmm. um which is a very emotionless movie role for him mm-hmm. until very near in the end and it's still lightly emotional um batman begins mm-hmm. which was a broody and emotional role and then the machinist right afterwards mm-hmm. which was a physical and emotional role like physical wear and tear to drop down to like 140 pounds and just emaciate yourself and think in the way that the character needed to to play that insomniac you know just driven mad human Mm -hmm. i think that's all uh, enough to shape you into a, a vacant respondent you know, you're you're a chameleon at that point. You right. don't you've lost so much of your identity. Yeah, sure. Okay. You know. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh I mean, especially especially because these are these these are the these are the roles that continue to get you hired. These are the roles yeah. that continue to get you to earn new accolades. Yeah. Um, you know, these 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 types of roles. So yeah, I guess then that makes a lot of sense where you go, okay. I, I for a for an actor like that, I I one hundred percent agree. I think that a a great director match would be someone like Taika, who is who's who's based like he is based in comedy. He's rooted in comedy, so good, though. and he is so funny at that. Um, that even when he directs other like he he understands the craft, but again his 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 roots are in comedy. comedy. Yeah. which is a good thing. It's yeah. a good thing for the Thor franchise. I, uh, it wasn't until Thor Ragnarok that made me, uh, realize that Thor is actually my favorite character in the MCU right now. He has, in my opinion, the most, um, uh, he has the, he, his, his character development is the strongest. It is the most, um, fleshed out, he is the most, uh, if you think about it, he's experienced the most loss. He He's he experienced is, the most pain. Yeah. He's, and he's experienced the most growth, in my opinion. For sure. From from the petulant, arrogant, you know, like prince of, of you know, Asgard in the beginning of, of his first appearance in the MCU to like fat thor quote unquote Mm -hmm. you know uh from endgame as a despondent sitting playing video games chugging beer not caring about anything in the world himself included to regaining his own heroism Mm -hmm. and and desire to 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 be something after that a hundred percent he's gotten the most like like depth of character right absolutely um but yeah, so I think that there is a, uh, uh, I think that will be a good, um, good match of Christian Bale and, and Taika. Um, so I'll be excited to see what, yeah. and then you throw a little bit of Chris Pratt in there, Star Lord, oh, and that'll be yeah. great. Um, but uh, okay, so then Spider-Man is coming first, uh, which means that uh, there is absolute time for, um. Uh, you could squeeze out at least two seasons of WandaVision. So it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be, it, it can be a more in-depth lead up. Hold on one second. I'm and so I, sorry. And I think that's uh, definitely a possibility. Um, 
definitely need to uh I think they have that that capability to squeeze in another season that's the benefit of television and mm-hmm. the the quick production on it as opposed to like a film and you know it it could not necessarily be a second season in line with but it can be a fallout of Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, WandaVision, and then the Loki series. That's right. I forgot about the Loki series because that's what, May? I think so. Yeah. And that obviously is going to have some time travel and some multiverse multiverse shenanigans. I forgot about that because that's that whole whole concept, isn't it? Um, Yeah. So there's there's plenty of plenty of tie-in time, I guess, um, because this stuff they're not doing this stuff on a whim, like like we've said. It's uh, uh, let me rephrase. I think that Iron Man, Iron Man was on a whim, um, and obviously, if it didn't do well, they probably would have abandoned it. I mean. I don't. I don't think they thought uh, it had a chance of not doing well. I think there was uh, a large uh, campaign of uh, of Robert Downey Jr. really owning the role he was born for. You know, sure. a, a, a man who was built to be a star who who crashed that star and had to put that star back in the sky and, yeah. and shine again. There's a, there's a, there is a lot of that life imitating art. Absolutely. Concept. Um, I just feel like uh, in my head when I, when I look at it, I mean, I was going to probably like the film no matter what. I mean, I remember when that, when it came out and I saw it in the theaters and I knew I was going to like, it cause I liked Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. already. Um, and I, and I knew it would be a great role for him, but you know, if it wasn't the most critically, if it wasn't like the most, box officely successful film. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I, let, let me put it this way. The fact when the, 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 the develop, the way that Marvel has developed Marvel studios into it being a Disney thing now. And, and, and the way that the MCU's progressed, that was, it was, it was make or break with Favreau on that first one. And I mean, give give Favreau all the credit because he knows how to make palatable movies. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he, he doesn't, does. Yeah, he makes a commercial. He he makes generally commercially successful films. Yeah. And I haven't watched anything from him that I just thought was terrible. And, I, I mean, he he's responsible for literally the only modern Christmas classic, I would call it. That is very true. You know, that like is very true. the only one that gets like as much guaranteed love as a Christmas story or the sixties claymation Rudolph. Yeah, how like, many, how many Christmas movies between a Christmas story and elf can you think of where you're like, I want to watch that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the Santa Claus. Maybe. And, and, and that's on a good year. Yeah. If Tim Allen hasn't, yeah, Tim Allen hasn't ruined your, your yeah, taste buds. Exactly. Year. Yeah. Switch camps to the DC. All right. Let's talk side. DC then. We got Snyder's Justice League. Cut oh my God. In okay. Like two weeks. Yeah. The, the, the Snyder cut is happening. Um, can I, can I, can I, and I'm sure you have 
you, you, you always reasoned whenever we have conversations about these kinds of things and I have something I'm peeved about, you always have a very good explanation and a very reasoned uh, and rational way to look at things. So let me tell you what I'm peeved about with Snyder's, um, the Snyder cut. Tell me about it. I am peeved that what I'll basically be watching is a, a full frame film with the, with the whole deal with the aspect ratio. Are you, you familiar um, with this? No. Okay. So my understanding is that um, dude filmed the film in 163 or 1661 or IMAX, whatever the, yeah. the IMAX, the IMAX is. film is. So it's, it's taller than it is, or it's, 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 it's less wide, more tall. Um, and it's meant for those screens. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Which and he I, tends to do. And I get that. I get that. The, the thing, the thing that gets me is that there is, um, uh, this is twofold. One, I'm a film snob. I, I don't, I, I think that's great that you film that in IMAX and it, it, you know, or, you know, if you're Christopher Nolan and you film an explosion in IMAX and it keeps, and it cuts back and forth or whatever. But in my, in my, in my opinion, uh, you film in 241 and you, you film four and, uh, in 241, meaning that, uh, it's not just a novelty you that you're doing this ultra wide aspect ratio. It's also that you are using it artistically. Um, and that leads into number two is you're going to come in now in the midst of no theaters being open, no IMAXs and drop it on HBO Max and drop it on a streaming service that is delivering 4k content at this stage of the game and go, cool. Enjoy your, enjoy, enjoy your four, three, mm-hmm. enjoy your pan and pan and scan. Um, and th- so that does the, it's, it's like, you should be aware of that now to, to, to the credit. I, I feel like he probably would have changed it, but they were also like, we're going to give you this much to finish it. Yeah. That's, and yeah. so I think budgetary constraints came down to, do I change my aspect ratio or do I put the movie out the way I want to? No, I, am I, I going to fill the CGI gaps the way that I want to? Am I going to make, am I going to do yeah, yeah, exactly characters that look the way that I wanted them to? That makes sense. You know, that makes and a lot of sense I think because it was, it was also filmed. It wasn't even filmed with an anamorphic lens. No. So it is, yeah, it is completely IMAX non anamorphic. So yeah. it would be, Yeah. So it it would be a a very costly procedure to do what you got to do. Yeah, I know, I know. You but, being reasoned, but, but then also uh, the other thing that bothers me is um, when I was reading when I was reading up on the aspect ratio thing, um, all the fan all the fanboys were defending the choice. The way they were defending it made me mad. Where they're like. They're basically going, well, yeah, but if we cut it to widescreen, then you'll lose picture. I was like, you're not. No, you you don't get to come at me saying that you shot in a format that lost picture to begin with because it should have been shot in and for 241 anamorphic. And and then tell me that now if you make it that way, you lose you're going to lose the tops and the bottoms and all that. And I was don't 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 do that you're 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 pissing on my on my head and telling me it's raining yeah, like that's i already am aware of how it came so to uh, sit there and say you're losing and there there's always going to be that cast of fans that come out that are like 
I I have to jump on every argument against this because people want to to you know play champ and throw their shit all over this project because history right but you don't have to to like what you like and like it for the reasons that you like it and appreciate it you don't need to stand Zack snyder i hope i hope he sees your video and it makes and and he goes that guy gets me i hope that happens yeah uh and and even then my complaints again i am i am just being reactionary because that's not that doesn't mean i'm not gonna watch it oh it doesn't mean that i'm not gonna probably enjoy it it'll be the first uh dc movie that i've enjoyed uh, that's not true. There's some Batmans. There's several I, Batmans in there. I, I, I mean, I'm a DC fan, so I did enjoy Aquaman, and I did. Okay, Aquaman and was I fun. I did um, enjoy Shazam, one, and I okay, did. Shazam was good, and I did Wonder enjoy Woman. Wonder Woman. Did you enjoy Wonder Woman '84? It's all right. Okay, it's all right. Yeah, it didn't quite hook me the same as Wonder Woman, but what about Kristen Wiig? How'd she do? Um, actually, she did really well. For for the way that they wrote that role. Okay. It wasn't anything to do with her. Like did, did it feel like it aped a lot off of Michelle Fiverr's Catwoman? Yeah. I got that vibe just from the trailer. Yeah. With the, yeah. It was, it was, it was the transition from, you know, nerdy wallflower to confident vixen to cat lady. Like it, it was, kind of a that's interesting uh, uh, that's a, a good observation a, a, a weird recycle of a trope that you could have not gone in that direction you know especially as iconic as michelle pfeiffer was and that you know oh, she's wonderful that, in that film yeah and it was a very defining take on the character so mm-hmm. it, it kind of just made it a lot more obvious to you know people that oh this is kind of a cat thing instead of you know, making a distinction between characters and, and giving her the opportunity to really build that character in a way on her own, you know? Okay. Yeah. Just kind of felt a little formulaic. I gotcha. Okay. So you're a DC fan. You like the DC stuff. So your thoughts on the Snyder thing, what are you excited for on the Snyder cut? I'm just excited to see the vision, the, the intended vision like completed. Okay. Because you could tell, where changes were made watching like Wien's Justice League. You could tell where ideas where the where the trains went off the tracks, if mm-hmm. that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's it's oh I we were supposed to meet at this station, but you know, that didn't happen. And this train showed up, so we're just gonna hop on that and ride down and see if we meet up with our people at the next station. I feel like solo was that way too. Oh uh, because you gotta you you gotta vibe yeah. So you 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 can kind of see that there is a vibe where Phil Lord and Christopher Miller um, were they there was a vibe and a tone that they started with, and there was a a destination that Ron Howard got them to. Yeah, and not for nothing. That's you can feel that even in as well crafted as the MCU is with the first Ant Man, you can feel the heartbeat of Edgar Wright in yeah, that movie. One hundred percent. But then you can see where it gets washed over and and where other other things came into play mm-hmm. and the new director came in and put his stamp on things peyton peyton reed peyton reed yeah, yeah. so so uh, so i didn't know that but i mean i know that um edgar wright wrote helped write the screenplay with um uh, and he was set to direct see, so i didn't know that kind of i thought he was just a writer from the no, get-go okay it, 
Um, yeah, so you can because uh, Edgar Wright loves loves character, word uh, clever, wordy, not wordy. Uh, his humor is in dialogue and in characters. It's it's a very it's a very lyrical work. Yeah. It it plays with the the soundtracks mm-hmm. or yeah, always the music, absolutely music is always key in his movie mm-hmm. to tie into narrative and how yeah. the story plays, which I always appreciate when a director is either knowledgeable in that or they are knowledgeable enough to hire a like soundtrack director who mm. is that, you know. Right. Robert Rodriguez brings in Riza and they sit mm. down together and they're like, All right, we're gonna make some stuff happen. Absolutely. You know. Quentin Quentin finds his own stuff, but it's the same thing. It's yeah. it's he know well no, he used he used Riza in used, uh, Kill, Kill Bill. Bill. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So uh but but then also he's he's accomplished enough on his own uh, with that with that sound. So these people that know yeah. there know that. And he's one of them, absolutely. He knows yeah. the way that the way the music uh um ties into to your story. Um if you do that very well. Um, I, I, I really liked baby driver for that reason. I liked the way he found, uh, he, he found music and then, uh, I mean, one could argue that it was, it was a little too orchestrated, but it was intentional. It so, was. So I give him, I, I give him that leeway where I go, okay, some of this is cutesy, but it's intentional. Yeah. It, it plays in. And of course, any ounce of cutesy in that movie is intensely taken away by Kevin Spacey. So you don't have to worry. Yeah. So it. there, there you go. There, right. It yes. evens, evens that keel out. That's true. It's one of those, one of those, every time you see the man on screen, you're like, oh, you're not an actor. You're just a madman. <laughs> um, so, all right. So who directed, um, so Zack Snyder was how how much how much of it did they do they say he filmed and he was and then who did they replace him with at what point he was literally like from what I remember as it was progressing and it's coming out he was pretty much at reshoots like like wow. principal had finished and he wanted to come in and come in and tighten up and reshoot some in-between scenes and like reshoot a few other points but the rough cut was like at least 95 95 done that's and you're in you're like yeah you're you're his, his that's way too far along it's it's also due to reaction from batman v superman versus the bright and shiny mcu Right, MCU is happy-go-lucky telling a story, and then people are automatically comparing MCU to DCU because it's a natural thing to do, and all but forgetting that when Stanley orchestrated, which I have a lot of a lot of interesting articles on Stanley, I'm I'm excited to sit down and read. Okay, um, getting I've heard throughout my my years in and out of comic industry fandom and running shops and stuff like the non uh mcu happy shiny narrative of stanley and the history of the mcu <laughs> uh you know the man who took credit where credit wasn't due oh i have no doubt and uh did so willingly and freely over over many names for years and years and years and uh but it uh he he took everything with a an every guy approach where D 
DCU is built around total mythology. Uh, their right. their heroes are on a, a a mythological standing. Like they they stand on a mountain at the top of everything. That's really interesting that you say that. I never thought about it in the, in the in the those contexts before. Because if you think about it, um, there's an origin story. The origin stories in um, in Marvel are always normal person now is unique. Yeah. Right. And, um, and how they navigate through normal situations. Yeah. Or normal prejudices. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and and we're using this as all analogs of how of of race and and sex and you know orientation and consideration of whatever Mm -hmm. and how characters are are biased upon and how they overcome right whereas in in dc um there's there's very few exceptions to the the mythology concept where this is how they are they they superman was born that way like he's an alien so like he was he was literally born as an alien he just his power comes from the earth's sun and you know, whatever. So, but he was always that way. Uh, Wonder Woman born that way. Yeah. Right. They are, these are, these are people of myth. Um, Batman, like I said, is probably one with, is one of the very few exceptions where Batman is create. He's got a Marvel style. He has a Marvel style. Green Lantern, a hair to a Marvel style. Mm -hmm. Um, But still given, like godlike powers, mm-hmm. which is a different concept. And when right. you when you stand cyborg, um, Flash, Flash, yeah, they, they all Aquaman, all yeah, Aquaman. It's it's in in Marvel they classify their mutants and they have like their top tier mutants are considered Omega level. So your your Charles Xavier's, your mm. your Scarlet Witches, your uh, original X Men. Oh, you're uh, right. Uh, uh, yeah, X Men. The the mutant. The mutant. Uh, the X Men. Um, not universe, but they're, it's like a galaxy in that universe. They're, like, they're 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 a little subset group. Yeah, that is very much a born this way. They're a born this way, but even amongst those, there is a hierarchy of mm-hmm. power. Right, and so it's it's in that god level of these omegas the original x-men the cyclops Jean gray uh beast all mm-hmm. these ones that are archangel archangel angel archangel like oh, yeah, how angel, they're able angel. how they're able to transform and grow and evolve as as powers and characters are because they're all omega level mutants right they're they're the same like god level as dc characters like gotcha. but they don't portray them the same way they're very much the downtrodden they play the the uh they were essentially you know mutants were the the race card we're gonna de dehumanize the mutants mm-hmm. and so they tell a very different story with the people of that power level and it's not you know hero thrown on a mountain or a villain thrown on a mountain that's you know some some deity to be worshipped or feared uh, by an entire universe mm-hmm. and it and it creates a different class of storytelling but it's i appreciate both for what they are mm-hmm. like it's a, it's a human story or it's a story of fantasy and mythology right you know so I, it's it's a, a fun take you can watch poseidon oh man you mm-hmm. know king of the the sea do his thing mm-hmm. 
That's true. So okay, all right. So you're excited. You're excited because you're a DC person. Um, you're excited to see what he's able to come up with. Um, is there? Uh, do you? I I don't know much about it besides the thing I I got sidetracked on and got upset about. Um, <laughs> is there? Is there extra length? I know there's extra. I know that. There's, is there? Yeah, it's almost. It's a four part, like four. Six part series when it comes out. Is that how he's doing it? And it's gonna, it was, I think it's gonna release it all once now, but they were gonna release it over two days. But I think they're just gonna like blow it out. But it's gonna gonna run like a series almost. I like that. I like, um, I think that there are certain films that you can do that with. What I, um, a good example of this is um, Tarantino's Hateful Eight. Yeah. I went and saw it in the theater and I loved, I I loved it in the theater. But I, but I love it more um, as the four part, four hour long version yeah. mini series. Yeah. It's a lot more palatable when it's that long. Uh, and, and you know, he shoved a whole bunch of stuff back into it and you sit there and go, man, there's a lot going on here. And it, I, I'm glad I, I only have to watch this an hour at a time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and, and that goes down to the format of storytelling. Mm-hmm. There are most stories like, for films, when they get into that that spectrum of of storytelling, they're not good movies because it's you're trying to tell too much in two hours. Yeah, and it's and it and now with streaming, like I know you remember when we were going up. There's there's no way that we could have pulled off a a, a Lord of the Rings series like they're pulling on Amazon, or they're they do a Game of Thrones or a mm-hmm. Witcher. You know, they would have tried to do all of those in a single film and if the first film with a possible sequel planned you know and but if the first film bombed then we're never going to get that sequel and we just are kind of hung out as fans and that's how it was for a long time you know nobody had the 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 platform to throw these long-form storytelling opportunities and they, they, everything was budgeted for films. They're like, oh, we're going to sell this movie. We're going to sell this movie. We're going to sell this movie. And then you end up with a bunch of dead-end movies or versions of things like uh, Golden Compass, which I never read the source material. I never mm-hmm. watched the movie. But uh, but the, the, the show on the, HBO. The show on HBO, His Dark Materials, is um is it good? It's really good. I uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I saw that Lin Manuel Miranda's in it. And I was like, all right, I gotta watch this. Uh, I actually, I'm a fan of him as an actor. It's it and it's it's a good part. Mm. It's a good part, but it's it's actually a really well done, engaging show that like makes you want to chase it to the end. Okay. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, let me get on board with this and write it out. You know, so what was the the film the the film one was the one with what was it Nicole Kidman and uh, uh, Daniel, Daniel Craig? Craig? Yeah. Yeah, I never watched that one either. Uh, James McAvoy steps in for Daniel Craig. Oh, okay. McAvoy is in this one. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, the the lady they have playing the Nicole Kidman role. Um, is that Ava Green? Uh, I believe it's she. Uh, I think she holds it. Uh, the the style of character a little bit better. Okay. There's there's just like a nastiness. That you know, Nicole Kidman can pull off like snotty, but it's not like it's not the nasty. She doesn't strike me as a nasty person. She's never no. done a role like that. It's yeah. not like like there's not some 
true malevolence behind something, mm. you know? Yeah. And this is, and this, and it's funny is, is that, that, that just comes, that's just, we just brought that conversation back to the, when we were talking about the, the, uh, the, the nature of streaming where you can release 38 minute episodes of something. It's if the, the way it's revolutionized television or quote unquote serial television viewing is the way it's revolutionizing film, film releases as well is uh, you can come up with very creative ways to, to distribute or release them. But I also think it's funny that the, the that it's uh, it, it still looks like uh, no matter what, it still looks like a serialized uh, version of it, uh, which is very interesting to me. It's a British British actress, uh, Ruth Wilson. Ruth Wilson, I in, in, in that role. I, I probably know who she is. I just don't. She's a lot of lot of Brit films. Uh, Saving Mr. Banks. There's a just one of those one of those I like to call. Uh, I IFC did a series back in the day. That guy Thursdays, and. Uh, they would highlight that guy actors like Steve Buscemi or, uh, gotcha. you know, guys that that you know their name, mm-hmm. but really you know them as that guy from that movie. You remember that guy? He he did that thing, that part, and you you forget because they just fall into that role, and you yeah. you appreciate the character over the actor. Right, Peter Stormare. Yeah. yeah, Peter Stormare. Definitely one of those. Absolutely. He's that guy. He's that guy. That's funny. Um. But uh, yeah, so the I think uh, so. When is the when does the Snyder thing come out? Two weeks? Uh, is it two some, weeks? Something like close, that. Right? It's like fourteenth or seventeenth. Or I, uh, I tell you what I'm what I, what is what is dropping this week uh, that I'm very excited for is uh, coming to America. Coming to America too. Yeah, coming to America too. Coming uh, number two, coming, America. Coming to America. Uh, I hope. And again, back to our conversation about um, look at the look at the. Uh, the, I think they're looking at the consumer age and going, uh-huh. "Hey, you know what would be great? Remember this movie from your teens and your uh-huh. and your and your twenties? We're making a sequel now. Uh-huh. It's the same with Cobra Kai and things like that. Um, Nostalgia is a powerful drug. It one hundred percent is. And and I, I had a conversation with a buddy today. Like, if that film is one hundred percent fan service, if that's all it is, I will. I do not care. Uh, like, no. I'm very excited to Absolutely see. I'm, I'm I'm I am excited for Eddie Murphy for this this return to the big screen that he's kind of. Perpetrated over the last little bit. I'm I'm very happy and very excited his, for him. His his uh Phoenix from the Ashes from mm. Pluto Nash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um so I'm excited. I th- I'm gl- I think it's great that they got every all the living characters or all the living actors, actors back. back. Um yeah. I like that uh, they've added the la- the layer of uh, Wesley Snipes into it. Well, that's that yeah. makes me so happy on so um, for a multitude of levels oh, or, yeah. uh, for a multitude of reasons, but uh, I love when Wesley Snipes does characters. Uh-huh. I love characters. I love character work. Wesley Snipes more than I like straight man. Wesley Snipes a uh, demolition man. Dem- that's the first one that always comes up for me. Uh, or in, uh, uh, or him playing Willie Mays Hayes in a, major a league. league. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> Let's say, hey. <laughs> how you doing? How you doing? Uh, oh, uh, it's, it's, he's just, it's, I like that because he clearly under, you can tell he's a guy that gets funny. Yeah. He gets funny. He understands, um. Uh, he, he can tell he doesn't take himself too seriously, um. And you know, even even when he was doing Blade, yeah, you could tell that that wasn't. You could tell that that wasn't serious. 
there was serious when he needed it, and he right. he had the levity in between. Mm-hmm. Exactly, he, he he knew when to take it serious and when when to just have fun with it. Absolutely, and so I I love I love Wesley Snipes for that reason. So I'm very excited for this to come out. Um, on 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 the tie of of like just that's why I love grown ups. It's just. Adam Sandler having fun with yeah, his buddies. That's the thing. And that's what I feel like this is going to be. I exactly. feel like this is just going to be like Eddie Murphy grown ups. Like I just wanted to like hang out with all these people again yeah, and have a great time, have a great time doing something. Let's do this thing again. So yeah, I'm excited yeah. for that. And not to take you away from, not to take away from DCU. Um, I'm sure. Do you have any other notes on that? I just, uh, it just happened no, to be tied in. Well, the only other note on that was just as, as, I'm 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 interested and I'm excited just because of the time. It's a very short time before that actually comes out. Mm-hmm. But uh I can't wait for uh James Gunn and the Suicide Squad. That's right, the Suicide Squad. Right? Because uh I feel like that will be finally a, a DC movie that people just come in and have a blast with. I think you're right. I think that um First of all, there's like there's like 40, 40 celebrities in that film. Well, because they're called the Suicide Squad. Yeah, a lot of them are gonna be dead before yeah, there's, it's there's, before it's halfway over. I was gonna say there are people who like you're like, oh, that person's in it, and then they have some character name. You're like, I Cannon don't think Potter. that. Yeah, I don't think that that character is gonna last very long. But yeah, I mean, you had, I mean, they who else, like they threw. Uh, uh, John Cena is in that. John Cena in a non DC character. Is that not a DC character? Uh, not originally. Not originally. Peacemaker was a Charleston character. Um, Interesting. He was. He was in 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 talking about the the rights and ownership of characters. You know, this has been a long game for Marvel and DC for years and years and years. The reason that we had a Shazam movie and not DC making a Captain Marvel movie was because of uh, a temporary. Uh, point in time when Fawcett Comics stopped producing Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel was the original name of Shazam. Yeah. And and when they stopped producing them, Marvel Comics was like, well, we have a Captain Marvel. And then that became the trademarked name on a book. And for years there was dispute. And, and to this day, you can't put a Captain Marvel book out other than at Marvel because they own the trademark. Right. Due to like a, a ten year lapse in in licensing, and so uh, they play that character pickup game. You know, DC picked up the Fawcett character universe, and that was all the Captain Marvel characters. And then in the seventies, they picked up all the Charleston comic characters, which was the Question and Blue Beetle and Enchantress and. Uh, peacemaker who uh mr did you, you just can't, you can't see me i did i did said peacemaker yes yeah, so good. um because because i can't not see that character and not see john cena right now right you know it's just such a perfect cheesy fit oh yeah and and i think i think james gunn i think uh, he's clearly someone who knows what he's doing absolutely um and did he write that film as well i believe so okay I, I believe we'll so. Be, I think we'll be okay then. Um, yeah. Uh, the early, early take on on what I've heard of it is uh, a Dirty Dozen meets Apocalypse Now meets like superhero bad guy movie. All right, I'm in. 
Like I love the Derby. I love the Dirty Dozen. Just weird, crazy war movie with a lot of nonsense in between. Like love that it. James Gunn like wild ride. Mm-hmm. You know that's good. If you if if you get that vibe from the first ga- Guardians, you know. Oh yeah, when like nobody knew who the Guardians were. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did, but you know, mass mass media consumers had no idea, and now, you know, I am Groot. Yeah, I am Groot. All yeah. over the place. Exactly. Grooted all over the place. What do you got? Um so I'm uh I'm big up on this uh pro wrestling thing that's happening in America right now. Okay. Well crowds are not there and the idea and concept seems to be, you know, quote unquote dying in the eyes of uh Vince McMahon and the WWE as they see their ratings drop and drop and drop and drop. Are they and seeing drop. ratings drops? Oh, huge! Okay. Um, it it from from pre pre pandemic to now, uh, they were already chasing their tail, literally like scratching at their worst ratings ever in history. Oh, this is and weird. and it comes down to how they treated the market, how they monopolize monopolized the market for you know almost fifteen twenty years on major network cable, like. You you had small upstart companies that would try to eke in there. Your your TNA turned Impact Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Ring of Honor would try to get some TV deals. Triple uh, A and and uh, Lucha Underground and uh, I remember Lucha Underground trying to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. So and and then so you had different different avenues where people really tried, and uh, then came along uh, uh, all elite. And they changed the game. Yeah, Cody Rhodes. So he, let me let me ask you this uh, again, because this is this is my amateur nerdishness. Um, obviously, I, I like wrestling. I, I do. I really do. I just don't have. I never remember to turn it on. In fact, we're probably missing what, Raw. Raw right now. Um, that being said, what is it about what Cody Rhodes has done with All Elite that is working? What do you think it is? Because it is clearly working. It is clearly popular. Um, is it, is it, he has, for lack of a better, he, I mean, he has basically creative control. Uh, it's the, kind, kind of, his partners, kind of. his partners are some, uh, the cons. The, Tony Khan is, is, is actually his dad, right? It, or is that the dad? Dad, dad's the money. Tony, yeah. Tony's the face and money. Like he's the son. Uh, the Khan family owned the Jacksonville Jaguars, a couple like English Premier League teams. Like they're they're that that family money that owns things. Yeah. And Tony was the the kid that grew up loving wrestling, and he's like made friends with Cody and uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, and Adam Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, and these guys were considered literally the elite so much so that their their nickname was the elite mm. they they started a, a youtube series called be the elite and this was before the formation of all elite wrestling and they would just kind of backstage tell their narrative in new japan and what was going on when they were in new japan and they were constantly in wrestling publications considered the best of the best match of the year contenders every year for tag team matches or for uh, storylines that they've run through. And it comes from their old school mentality of character, uh, 
actual storytelling mm-hmm. through those characters and allowing themselves to flourish and understanding their own character as opposed to having, you know, 27 writers from USA cracking out hack lines and seeing what they can come up with for the next three hours to fill. Right. And and that, that became kind of the death knell in wrestling in America is, you know, it lost that passion. Those guys were literally dying out in, in WWE trying to, like, hey, I got this idea. Let me do this. And when you have, you know, an overseer who's kind of past his, his, his expiration date, they can't let go of the reins that's like, nah, that, I, don't, I don't like that or I, I don't see where that pans out, then then that flame starts to die. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get, you know, John Moxley. You know, Dean Ambrose was literally one of the most miserable people. If you ever watched any of his last six months worth of matches, there's a guy that couldn't care less about being in the building. And then the first minute you meet John Moxley on All Elite, you're like, that dude loves his business more than anything. Mm-hmm. That dude would lay down and die to tell a story. Right. You know, he's got uh Sunday. Yeah, this Sunday, an exploding barbed wire match with Kenny Omega. <laughs> the last match that they had together, these two guys literally ripped the ring up to the hard wooden base platform and were delivering just the most disturbing, disgusting, old school deathmatch moves on each other. And it's to prove a point, like, hey, we're entertainers. We live, breathe, bleed, die, and fight for this. This is the way that we do it, and we'll do it all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the the devil may care, the, the stuntman extraordinaire, the guys who, like, want to take the flying leap, the guys who want to run through the barbed wire and land. You know, just the throw caution to the wind. This is going to be so cool. It's worth it. Right. You know, um, does is Cody Rhodes running the organization? Uh, he's one of the VPs. They they so the Young Bucks, uh, Cody, uh, and Kenny are uh in the VP circle. Okay, of guys, and basically they kind of go out and work with talent acquisition, and they work with producing segments as well as you know doing their own characters and their own roles and their own. And Cody has that, and his wife is doing the market. Isn't the is she's the VP she's of marketing? She's VP of marketing, and she was wrestling. She was a wrestler, uh, yeah. But you know, she's she's they're having a baby, so she's stepping out sure. for right now. And uh, but interesting this this week on Dynamite, um, Cody is supposed to take on Shaq. Okay, Shaquille O'Neal making his return to pro wrestling on <laughs> on uh, no Wednesday night and. Uh, Last week, they they dropped a big bomb and uh, released that uh, Paul Big Show White had signed with the promotion. I think that's a that's a crazy awesome get. It is a crazy awesome get because he was one of those that you're like he's a lifer. He's never going to walk away from WWE. It's a cush, and he's going to get Hall of Fame the first year they decide to throw him in Hall of Fame. They're producing his TV shows. They're doing. They're mm-hmm. backing him up. But at some point, you're like, am I going to ride this this white horse into the sunset? Or am I going to hop on a new ride and see how far I can go? Mm. And uh, I think he's uh, decided to see how far he can go. And 
they do a great job of using their legends. Legends. Is guys, that, is that guys, how they... Guys that, that, that have that, kind that, of been there they or have come over? I don't really think they verbalize it as a legend, but, you know, they, they do have a plethora. Uh, AEW has... To, to put it in a perspective, Jake the Snake, uh, Diamond Dallas Page, mm-hmm. uh, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, two of the Four Horsemen, uh, Sting, and and now you've got the, the the second living giant after Andre, the, right? You know. He, they that's when he first start, when when Big Show first started that's how they tried to blame that they, they wasn't his name the giant he was WCW his original play was he was the giant the giant kind, that's kind, kind of a a uh, maybe he's a, a a bastard son of Andre mm-hmm. you know uh, just a, a a fun you know gimmick idea and you know there's there's always a bad gimmick and there's always a way to play that into a a, a better role. You know, uh, the the thing I respect the most about the craft is if if you understand it and you know how to do it, you end up being somebody like Chris Jericho, who I I champion out there as as if not the one of the greatest of all time. Mm. The man's in his fifties. He is the front man of a great metal band, Fozzy. Fozzy, yeah. And he could just go about his life touring and rocking and playing his music or releasing stuff online and just chilling. But no, 50-something years old, he still wants to go out and reinvent himself and take that crowd in a wrestling ring on an adventure and sell them on whatever he wants to sell them on. Right. You know, this is this is a guy who decided one day that, hey... I'm going to get the word it over. When the word it comes out of my mouth, this crowd is going to go insane. Mm. And to carry that level of charisma and confidence and power in yourself to just like, I'm going to, I'm going to blow 10,000 minds by saying two letters. Mm. That's, that's incredible. It's really, it's, it's not something that Tom Cruise couldn't do it. Nope. You know, uh, he doesn't have the time. That's the crazy part. He, he does, but because you need to be doing 280, 280 nights a, nights a year, or you need to do 52 really well crafted nights a year mm-hmm. because it, it may weekly, not be, yeah, you, get your you, you maybe not every show gets seen everywhere, but it's, it's that week in and week out work on a, a character who is you like mm-hmm. you're carrying that part of your character and 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 guys like jericho evolved that character they right. don't just like oh i am this guy from day one and i don't see a way to change or challenge or grow that you know it's it's every opportunity is a chance to show hey maybe i can evolve this and 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 be a different character be be a little more like this or that right you know jump into matt hardy's i i'm 100 percent convinced that matt hardy is the biggest doctor who fan what makes you say that because he's got this regeneration concept uh he started it in impact wrestling him and him and his brother jeff who was there at the time were doing they sold them on like 
on-location backyard wrestling matches at his farm in North Carolina. <laughs> They're like, we're just going to film some stuff with our drones of us like having some crazy backyard matches. And he created this broken universe where like he had snapped and gone crazy and and like blew his hair out with like all the like like fur cream and just had this magnificent like mop and just orchestrated himself with a, a gown and a robe and became this like overlord talked about himself in the third person and he was from another universe and all these things but he could channel back and become the hardy boys matt hardy mm-hmm. or he could channel back and become matt hardy version one or he could be big money matt like he he, he could pick up his old gimmicks at the drop of a hat mm-hmm. and and return for a night and just be like oh that's just the spirit inhabiting my vessel and and he sells it in this way that you're like oh my god you're you're genius like mm-hmm. you've you found a way to take the the goofiest aspect of the thing that you love and and sell it and make people love it that's showmanship that's I, that's awesome and, and 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 to be honest i think that that requires um uh being self-aware like uh you know the people who um uh, people who have a lack of self-awareness um are concerned about image at all times and are made you know those kinds of things right they don't they it's it's whatever furthers them at the expense of others right that, um or that, whatever the goal is that was the argument for john cena for mm. for so long cena throughout his history never did the heel turn he started it, he started out a little on a heel edge and but once he turned face he never turned back and he carried this hulk hogan like motto of you know i got to do it keep it for the kids i never disappoint the little fans i respect the guy because to to this date and and my knowledge at the moment the man has more make-a-wish grants than any other person alive yep he is the most the the single biggest yeah grant or most granter of wishes uh my wife worked for make-a-wish in utah yeah uh and she she probably granted she probably met the man like five, ten times. Probably. And in, in, in the, like the three or four years she worked there because when she granted the wishes, like she would yeah. facilitate everything and have to be there. Yeah. But because he granted so many. But you're going to cycle through you're gonna, Yeah, You're going to see him several times. Yeah. But she said he is the, when it comes to the make-a-wish side, he is a genuine soul oh, when yeah. it comes to that. And, and, I, and I fully believe that. And I do believe that he sacrificed himself and his character and that aspect of being a legend to be a legend for so many kids out there. Right. You know, there's a different generation of, of, of wrestling fans that, that grew up with their hero, John Cena, and Mm -hmm. they, they got to, to keep him, you know, he never, he never had an NWO turn. He never had a bad guy flip. Mm -hmm. He never had one of those things where he did something that just made you despise him, you know, or get disgusted by him. Mm -hmm. Um, so for, for that generation, he kind of held in a way that nobody else's heroes growing up could. Right. And yeah, he sacrificed his his image to a lot of the older universe or like fans the, mm. the the older people who you know 
love watching Stone Cold flip from one side to the other or see Rocky flaring his best at at insults or hyping up a, a home crowd uh, as a face, you know? Right. Uh, there was, would you, and this is just uh, my sense, uh, but would you, would you, would you, I mean, obviously, uh, how would I, okay, let me back up. With people like Stone Cold and The Rock, um, there you you could definitely assign certain times to be like this is in the genre of face, this is in the genre of heel. But in in my head, those those characters, people like Stone Cold, seem to buck the trend, the 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 um the the those legacy trends of good guy, bad guy, they always seem to be more anti-heroes than anything to, to, yeah. I mean, like I said, at, you at could, original presentation, at original presentation. Yeah. Because stone cold's original three sixteen speech is a heel speech. It's, mm. it's him going off book in a very heelish manner for that era. And, but his execution was so magnificent. The fans couldn't help but love him. Right. And no matter how hard they pushed the idea of, of, you know, Stone Cold messing up, you know, the good guy's plans. Mm. It wasn't until the, the WCW buyout, the ECW, uh, the merger when they're trying to do all the brands together, bringing them all together in one. And they have the Alliance, which was WCW and ECW versus the WWE. Mm. And in that era, it was, you know, Vince was, Vince was the face, the man. And, and you would never see Stone Cold choose Vince. Just, just, you couldn't. And, but it it was home. Why would you ever turn against the WWE? Mm. And they found a way for him to turn to the dark side and join McMahon's. This this point being Stephanie and and Shane to turn his back on the WWE and be an alliance member and and shun his fans and and do something uh, visually despicable and and it got him heat and and you know. It it took a lot for him to get heat from the crowd. Yeah, you sure. know because because he did teeter that line right in what would be in 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 other it, it, with any other character what would be more defined heel or face maneuvers like you said uh, the, the I like the term you used um, that it was a um, when you talk about his his speech is a, a heel it's a heel speech uh, in the manner. It was very much in the manner of a heel or a face. However, the the entire auditorium loved him. Yeah. For, for however they read it. Is this a heel thing? Sure. It's awesome. Is this a face thing? Sure. It's awesome. Um, it, it didn't it didn't matter what he was saying. Right. It came down to how he said it. How right. he sold himself in that three minutes. And it's that same same gift that Jericho still has, and Stone Austin still has. Did you ever watch like his mm-hmm. his show on USA? I, I love all things Austin right now. I, I love all things Austin. He yeah. he can talk away through anything, mm-hmm. but uh, it's the same way that Jericho still has when 
uh, at the inaugural championship for AEW when he wins the title and he's walking backstage cutting a, you know, off the top, just Jericho promo walking around backstage. I just won the championship. Come celebrate. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of the bubbly. Come celebrate with Le Champion. And turned it into this whole, like, arrogant French douche And they promo bought a bunch of cheap bottles of champagne and smacked a little bit of the bubbly Le Champion brand on it and sold thousands of bottles of it because the guy knows how to just mm-hmm. market and sell himself. Um, yeah, absolutely. Is um, is the management at AEW, do you feel, or do you know, um, taking their cues from Vince on what not to do and are executing that way? And what I mean by that is uh, character ownership, things like that. Are they still, are they engaging in those practices or? Yes, and I think there's a, there's a huge absolute like we're not we're we're it, I don't think it's a conscious anti WWE movement like mm-hmm. we're not going to navigate in that world that way I think it's more of a uh, a respect for an approach from a mind because uh, uh, they along with Cody as his brother Dustin. Uh, former gold dust is 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 a um, member of the production team and on-air talent on aew and dustin grew up with literally one of the forefront greatest minds in modern pro wrestling dusty yeah you know cody and dusty got to or cody and dustin got to watch their dad dusty create what was the best era of modern pro wrestling storytelling Mm -hmm. you know and when he got shut down and silenced then you had the the eric bischoffs and the vince russo's and the the era of vince mcmahon wcw and wwf wars you know that had its mark but it was the beginning of the end for that era of of wrestling and storytelling Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until you know AEW, there's an attempt in some of the early days of TNA and attempt in some of the, the Ring of Honor days, but nothing on the, the scale that that All Elite came out with when, when they decided to just go for it and make the deal with Tony Khan. And Tony Khan threw that checkbook at TNT and said, let's make something. And uh, first time in 20 years, pro wrestling shows up on TNT. And it's got a an air of old WCW about it, but it's it's new. It's something something entirely new and in its own, and it it finds its voice and it starts against WWE's NXT as as competition, if you would. They air right. at the same time, the same night, and there was a is NXT. Uh, and again, this is where I'm the amateur uh, nerd. Um, is NXT on a on a cable? It's on USA. It is on USA. Yeah, on Tuesday nights. Wednesday. Wednesday nights. Okay. Wednesdays. Right. I'm sorry. Uh, Monday night is Raw. Oh no no. I was gonna say Tuesday night was SmackDown. It was it's Friday uh, night. Friday night now. Right. Okay. When when Fox came in and and paid them all the money. 
All it's, the money. It's 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 pretty funny because Fox came in and paid them all the money, and then so are, are, Peak, Peacock gave them all the rest of the money. Yeah, because they've, and they've Fox, right? Because they've just announced that they're shutting down their own network and moving all their content to, to Peacock, Peacock, right? And so yeah, they'll be they'll be beholden to you know a, a fox and a bird. Um, <laughs> we'll see. So those uh, so those crossover. Uh, Things like Ms. and Mr. Yeah. and uh, oh. uh, or any of those things um, that have because for the longest time, I'd say between like 2014 and 2018, when they were really when USA was really ramping those uh, crossover promos with uh, USA, and they were just throwing like when um, your your reality shows, behind. yeah, your reality shows or the or big show or john cena showing up on psych yeah uh things like that. oh They're absolutely really pushing those so does that does that change now are those now going to be nbc crossovers but here's the funny part is that it's all the same anyway it's, it is. it's nbc it's universal a, right NBC, and yeah. usa is universal and well after this year with nbc sports shutting down um and the majority of of sporting uh television uh soccer etc olympics coverage everything is going to be shifted to usa that landscape is going to entirely See, change I didn't, I didn't hear i didn't hear about the nbc sports thing that's, yeah like that's and that's so that's fucked up too because um nbc sports was the ones that made the original deal with bringing um every every premier league game here like 10 years ago yeah like that's that's crazy that you go from that to now this so they're they're shutting up shop at the end of the year I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, yeah, shutting down at the end of the year. No more NBC Sports division. It's kind of a wild thing to think about considering it outaged both of us by a magnitude, you know. Yeah. Uh, NBC Sports has been NBC Sports, and they've just decided that they, they're, they're moving away from that. Let's see here. Just looking at that real quick. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah. I saw it as a few weeks ago though. They announced, but definitely. Uh, I mean, to to back back with the all elite. It's it's Tony Khan just by by the Wrestling Observer, I believe, was awarded Promoter of the Year. Because he is he is the promoter behind it. He is the money man. He does have his own ideas to the show and the production of things. He's definitely worked a lot behind the scenes with uh, building in uh, a, a beautiful crossover with uh, Impact Wrestling, something that we haven't seen in in modern uh, modern televised wrestling promotions. Used to do it back in the day, like when you had neighboring promotions ohio valley wrestling and great smoky mountain wrestling and you know jim jim crockett productions and and because back in the day these were all regional things they were all regional so so and that's every every sub region had a champion every champion would stay in their territory and tour that territory and they would reign as that champion until the nwa and the NWA was when about like 15 of those territories got together and decided that, well, we're going to have a national wrestling alliance and all of us are going to 
say that we're part of this overall brand, but you can go to, you know, uh, Jim Crockett's or you could go to Ohio Valley or you could go to, you know, somewhere in Texas and, and catch a show. And maybe some of our stars will be there and maybe our champion, the NWA champion, the guy who's the champion of all champions will show up. Mm. And so it kind of created that national circuit and then that ran until Vince Jr. came along after Vince Sr. started snatching up small territories. Vince Jr. came along and decided to snatch up the rest and then overshadow anybody who got in the way. Hmm. And so it just became a a cluster of two groups, you know, the the former nwa turned wcw because you know wcw started off the back of of rick flair and the the nwa championship and and then wwf at the time was the world wrestling federation that had swallowed up a a federation of different small promotions Mm -hmm. and then you know they build a monopoly when they buy out their only competition in 2000 and uh kind of drive the market down and so now, right now, with only with only one um what do you call it with only one game in town one game in town it, yeah you get complacent yeah. um and all you have is to compete with yourself but but the, and then yeah. all you're doing is using those quote-unquote um sister shows or sister uh divisions to um just feed into the main programming anyway i mean there was there was um, a several year period where smackdown was literally just like a replay of raw sure it was just oh well we had all these guys and this happened on 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 the show last night we're gonna have these same 10 guys come out and talk and have another set of matches mm-hmm. and it was just recyclatron and and you're gonna lose your audience and right. and you're gonna lose your entire uh concept behind that you know and so it created a vacuum and people found online you know new japan or they found you know that old school field that they were looking for somewhere else and so intelligently now we have collaborators saying i don't see you as competition i see you as you know a a companionship to like a symbiotic relationship to the market. We mm. need to we need to rebuild wrestling as a whole as a public market. So let's let's advise what we can with you on on crossover storylines to help us both benefit and and show that like uh collaboration is key, you know. Yeah. Like we can really beef up some narrative. It's it's the same thing if if the legal tape was ever unwound enough that we could get a, a DC versus Marvel crossover in mm-hmm. the cinema. Sure. Like it, it was one of the biggest things to ever happen in comic books in the nineties when you had DC versus Marvel. And then that smashed into amalgam comics where they just mixed characters together and had fun. Yeah. And then they did it again when George Perez put together JLA versus the Avengers. There were always huge crossovers because fans typically love both things. So when you allow your fans to acknowledge that they're fans of everything, then your fans are going to appreciate it even more. Right. 
That's that. That sounds right. It sounds, and it seems like what what they're doing over there at AEW is, um, it's a mixed bag of um, not getting out and not getting too far out in front of their skis in terms of over the top production, um, but really working on talent development, character development, yeah, and store and telling stories and and having good uh, good amazing athleticism. Um, but then again, uh, learning learning from the mistakes of uh, stamping out competition and really embracing yeah. that crossover, understanding that there's talent elsewhere, yeah. and you don't necessarily need to write a big fat check to bring it over. Yeah, you don't need it there every week. Exactly. Yeah. You, you can you can you can thrive off the fact that oh maybe they'll show up in in a month or maybe in six months down the line that mm-hmm. storyline will pay off yeah because they don't forget we don't need we don't need this all the time we don't need stone cold smashing beers every monday night for yeah three you, years you don't need a, a a guest host of raw a celebrity guest host of raw mm-hmm. to come in to try to draw viewership yeah. People want to come back next week because they just want to know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And and it's not even necessarily the payoff of last week. It could be the payoff of something from two months ago because they they are staying on their book. They're they're just doing what they're doing and they're keeping track of things, you know. Right. It's it's one of those who doesn't love a payoff in a, a movie or a show or anything, uh when they dropped that hint in the beginning and then like three seasons later you get the end of the joke. Yeah. You know, you finally, one of my favorite uh, parks and rec tag jokes is there's constantly in the back half of, of the series. How, how did Jerry get such a beautiful wife? Yeah. But there's a throwaway comment. In in the uh, episode where uh, all the city members are texting and pictures of, of their junk because she she saw lumps on on, oh, right. on sanitation's yeah. mumps and uh, they're doing the screening and at the very end of that episode the doctor comes out and says that man has the largest penis I've ever seen right. I didn't even look to see if he had lumps. <laughs> That man has the largest penis I've ever seen. And and he's such a soft and sweet and gentle exactly. man. And yeah. if he's carrying around, that's why yeah, he dude's has. Dude's packing. That's dude's it. packing exactly. and, he's, and, he, and he's timid and sweet and loving. Of course he got the most beautiful one. They yeah, answer exactly. that question in such a He's literally throw, the perfect male. Like he throw, comes yeah, yeah, exactly. Such a throwaway jo- joke. That's good. But it pays off so mm. many, so many jokes later, you know. Right. That That's makes a lot of sense. Smart storytelling, you know. Yeah. So, okay. So here's a here's a here's a uh, here's a question for you. Who who right now at AEW are you enjoying watching right now? Who's who do you think has just got some I, just draw that I, you need to like? I have I have my personal fan of of their like potential their mm-hmm. their 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 guys who, who are you watching who's that person that's like this the, is, this the, is the, the person to watch the the person to watch uh jungle boy jack perry okay i i hate using it in that sense because that's how jr says it his name's just jungle boy but his real name's jack perry he's the son of late luke perry 
He's been wrestling since he was like 13 years old. Like legit Luke like Perry's legit kid. Like legit Luke Perry's kid. Um, it, you, it, is in, it is in the weirdest places you find the 90s because like Luke Perry's kid's now wrestling. Uh, what's his name? Uh, is a co-owner of a wrestling brand. Uh, uh, the Billy, Smash, Cor- Billy Cor- Corrigan. Which they, they just pulled all of their content off YouTube with a potential announcement of something coming soon. So yeah, that's good. I'm hoping because they film right here in Atlanta, it'd be kind of cool. We if they, should go do something like I'd, that. I'd, I mean, I'm totally down for an, an AW show or go down to, I mean, AW's, AW uh, ja- no, it's Jacksonville. It's not oh, we far. can do that too. Yeah, it's not far. Uh, Jack Perry, Oh, okay. I was going to say it looks nothing like, and then I swiped and I was like, there it's it like, is. Yeah. Oh no. There it's, it is. it's, it's very much like he, he's mini dad, even though he's like a full grown 22 year old man, he's not quite, you know, up to his dad's size, size and stature. That's funny. But he, uh, well, like, of course, if I'm looking at this picture correctly, the, the mom is taller than the dad. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just a weird, but he, uh, his character is part of a tag trio. Okay. Um, it started as a tag team, but they threw in uh, this this kid, Marco Stunt, who's just smaller than J- Jungle Boy, and it's it's just a gag. But his tag team partner was... Uh, Jungle Boy. That's good. His tag team partner was almost... Uh, Bray... Not Bray Wyatt. Uh, Braun Strowman. So before Braun Strowman was Braun Strowman, like when they were picking the big muscly guys to be that that giant evolved cast member of mm-hmm. the Wyatt family, this this wrestler was uh, the uh, the the pick before the pick. Gotcha. And then it just wasn't quite working. They segued away. He went to Mexico and he picked up a mask in Mexico and he ends up finding this lizard mask, lizard lucha mask and calls himself Luchasaurus. So Braun Strowman, it's it's the guy who, who was going to be the Braun Strowman role. Oh, okay. I got you. And, I was and, like, you're saying, no, you're saying no, Braun no, Strowman's no. No, no, no. The is Bray guy, Wyatt over there now? No, no. Bray Wyatt's doing a, a really interesting gimmick. The Fiend. Have you seen this? Uh. Uh-uh. So it's a uh, like a it, split personality kind of Joker esque. But if if Joker could flip on a dime, and uh, the other uh, personality of Joker was Mister Rogers. Yeah. So he's got a goofy wears a sweater and does like promos in the Firefly Funhouse, And it's like P equal, equal parts. Pee Wee Herman meets, meets uh, Mr. Rogers and, and Bray is wholesome and caring about the kids. Oh, okay. And then the fiend comes out and it's this like crazy horror mask thing. And he's just pain. And he's, he's, he's kind of like the Joker meets the clown from spawn all right. And just you know, demonic, crazy clown kind of thing. But it's an interesting gimmick concept that was really well executed in the early days, and then I feel like they've kind of lost their their uh, their narrative, their mm. thread with that that story and how to use it properly. Okay, you know. And this is in, and this is still oh, WWE. Still WWE. Okay. 
so, and as a follow-up to my question of who to watch now, who, uh, even with the ratings tanking on um, WWE, who who is who in your mind is is worth watching there? But is it's kind of sad to know that with the ratings going down, that it's it's almost talent wasted. It's it's not even with the ratings; it's how they use them. But right. Ricochet, uh, there's a guy named Ricochet. He was uh, King Puma in New Japan and AAA. He is like an athletic wizard. The man moves in a ring like. Literally, I've not seen anybody else do. Like any match, I you watch him in. It's there's awe to just simple fluid movements that he executes, and in just graceful fashion. And they have just chewed him through and chewed him out of no storyline and no respect and no character development and no nothing. And instead of finding him a mouthpiece or, or helping him in that regard of, you know, getting him something quality to say or, or finding that character and where he doesn't need to say much, they just, he ends up cannon fodder in a, in a match and they just waste it. Mm. Where when you, if, if he slid over somewhere like, AEW, I feel like you would have a team of guys that, you know, you're sitting around in the back and you're like, you know, I'm kind of thinking this, kind of thinking that. Then you have that fostered mentality of like, hey, well, what about this? What if you do this? What if you do that? And all right, we're going to run it. That sounds cool. Like, if you think you can pull it off, go, go do that. Like, the production staff, the Tony Khans are not going to stand in the way of a good idea. Right. You know, yeah. one, of, one, of, one of their most over guys right now is uh, one of my favorites is Orange Cassidy. And uh, they, they, they call him the king of sloth style. The guy comes out in a pair of jeans tights and a jean jacket and aviators and can't be bothered to pull his hands out of his pockets. And he'll take a bump with his hands in his pockets and then do a kip up and just walk back up cool as a cucumber nothing bothers him you know you knock him down he gets back up he's cool and casual but then you know you you watch uh there's find online and and watch when you get a second a year and a half well a little more than that they did a, a little run up and him and a british wrestler who used to be on uh wwe is neville uh is oh in, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah neville 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 is now Puck and uh pac puck and uh aw and dragon's gate in in the uk and uh you know puck is they call him the bastard he comes in he's old school hard hit and doesn't like the campy over the top kind of mm-hmm. gimmick wrestling things he likes that that banger about wrestling right but it's it's to put him in a ring with a guy who is nothing but camp and story, you know, a dude that they call King of Sloth style because, you know, he moves like a sloth in the ring until he's pushed right, right. until the engagement happens. And then the firecracker pops up and the dude's bouncing around the ring, pulling off moves left and right. And like mm-hmm. the crowd gets behind him. And it's an old school, long form storytelling that, you know, WWE just doesn't seem to think that fans have patience for anymore. Right. They're like, well, we're just going to feed you the answer right now. Or we're just going to feed you the champ right now. We're just going to give you, 
here's here's more more force fed storyline because mm-hmm. we don't think you know how to digest meals properly. Right. Where all elites like, no, we respect your intelligence. We we respect your time and we respect your commitment. And we're gonna pay things off. And awesome. we're and we're gonna play it play things out. So I think that's really the big push that's allowed them to kind of like elevate the standard and hopefully like bring the art form back up. Awesome. All right. Well, we're almost out of tape. So, and we've been going for, we're right at two hours right now. So let's do this. I think this is great. This has been a great, tremendous first episode, but I'd like to sign off with that last little nerd nugget, if you will, at the end. Uh, What, what, what do you, if we had listeners, when we have listeners, what would you recommend they check out right now? It could be something cool from an action figure for a Funko, a a show to watch. What? Uh, I mean, you gotta, you gotta watch WandaVision. It's out. We gotta, we gotta check out, you know, finish watching that series. And then, I'm uh, I'm hype on keeping dynamite alive. Let's see, let's see where all Lee can really push this. Okay, I uh, want something I discovered. Something I think that is interesting is I found out that J.K. Rowling, under a pseudonym, has written a bunch of detective stories, and they have now made them into miniseries. The BBC is is partnering with Cinemax. That's, turn them into like each book is like between two and four episode miniseries. That's fantastic. And they're really good. Yeah. They're really entertaining. It's like Sherlock, but with no gimmick. Yeah. Like the dude is just a frumpy British dude who yeah. drinks pints and has a neck beard and is unkempt and is really unspectacular, Yeah, but is a PI and yeah. solves crimes with his pretty redheaded assistant. And that's Really, it's a really good show. It's worth checking out. That's that's how I feel about uh, uh, Joe Hill in general. Mm. Uh, are you familiar with Joe Hill? Mm-mm. Joe Hill, uh, Stephen King's son, who doesn't want the acknowledgement of that. Oh, okay, all right. Who wrote uh, Nosferatu and Horns, mm. and uh, has his own very Kingian approach on things, but it it it's a definite departure and makes you appreciate somebody who's not trying to either write off their own or uh, a parent's coattails, you know, love it. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that until next week. Thank you very much, sir. All right.